And among couples who were married 30 years or more, so now we're really looking at the long, long term, 40% of women and 35% of men said they were very intensely in love. So not a little bit, not slightly smitten, but very intensely in love. And that, I think, is pretty darn good. Love blindness is a thing. Science says so. And Dr. Noelle Nelson explains what this means for your marriage. Stay tuned. We have a ridiculous limited time wine club special going on right now. Go ahead, open your browser while you're listening to this. Visit hitchmag.com and click the wine club link to find out the details. Waiting for the curtain to part. And now it's time to Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of HitchedMag.com. I'm joined once again with the always amazing Dr. Noelle Nelson. Hi, Noelle. Hi, Steve. So Noelle is a relationship expert, a popular speaker in the U.S. and abroad, is the author of many, many best-selling books. And today we're going to talk about um, how you phrase this love blindness, Noelle. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we can look at the divorce statistics, and uh, by the way, I feel like I need to do a big update on actual divorce data on Hitched. It's a it's a long term project of mine because one of the things that I feel because I'm trying to be positive in this episode, uh, one of the things I feel people uh, fail to realize is that our divorce rate in this country has actually been dropping for three decades, almost four. Um, That's great. And the divorce in this country peaked in like 1979. And it has not like it's had a dramatic drop, but it has been going down ever since then. And people seem to still think that it's a crapshoot when you get married. So um, I think once you hear some of the information we're about to tell you, you'll realize like, oh, it's actually could be a lot better than uh, what I'm thinking it is. So uh when you look at these divorce statistics, they can still be sobering. I will, I will grant you that. Um, and we might feel that uh, a lifelong true love may be something that's impossible. Um, but you say that's not true, Noel, because you point to a 2012 study of couples who had been married for a decade and published in the Social, Psychological, and Personal Personality Science Journal, uh, where 40% of couples. Uh, said they were, quote, very intensely in love, men as well as women. Yep. And among couples who were married 30 years or more, so now we're really looking at the long, long term, mm-hmm. 40% of women and 35% of men said they were very intensely in love. So not a little bit, not <laughs> slightly smitten, but very intensely in love. And that, I think, is pretty darn good. I think it's pretty darn good too. So, so how does this work? What makes these couples different? Well, you know, it's really interesting, Steve, when you read through these studies because the researchers are very diligent and they look at all sorts of parameters, age at marriage, you know, um, how the couples got together, all sorts of things. And the only thing that mattered, according to the study, is that these particular couples are afflicted with love blindness. 
Okay. And the way the study described it, I just love the expression, is it's those wonderful rose-colored lenses through which you see your mate when you first fall in love. Mm-hmm. Suddenly. You know how this works? This amazing person in your life is the most attractive, the smartest, and most accomplished individual you've ever met. Well, this love blindness, according to a University of Geneva review of nearly 500 studies on compatibility, so this wasn't a small potatoes thing, Yep, found that the one thing that predicted long-term romantic love, not just staying together, Okay, we, we all know couples who stay together and are miserable. But long-term romantic love was a spouse's ability to idealize and maintain positive illusions about their partner, seeing them as good-looking, intelligent, funny, and caring, or generally as a catch. And frankly, I've heard those words out of your mouth, Steve, when you've talked to Jessica. <laughs> you have referred to her as a catch. Yeah. And that's a wonderful thing. And in other words, these couples continue to see each other as they did when they first fell in love. I, I, this is so, I, I think this is so awesome. You're blushing. I, I am. You blushing. I am. I think it's so awesome <laughs> because I do. You're right. I do. Um, yeah. And I and I almost feel like part of this is like you uh, – I, I feel like this is I'm you know I'm not even gonna say it because I feel like it's the wrong phrasing of words so I'm I will just continue um, because this all sounds really nice um, and I think a lot of people are probably listening and saying like you know once you've been married for a while though those rose colored lenses tend to fall off uh, so how do, how can I put those bad boys back on? Well, the first thing would be to speak positively to yourself about your spouse. Doesn't that sound weird? No, it doesn't. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, you've got to catch. But it's, in other words, we often think, and and you and I have often talked about how important it is to appreciate your spouse, meaning to say positive things to them. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to rose-colored glasses, the person you want to be speaking about those positive aspects to is yourself. And so you would just notice and reflect on how nice it was that she gave you that cup of, co- a cup of coffee. Or, you know, how sweet it is that he brought you a daisy out of the garden. Mm-hmm. Or how nice it was that he offered to change the oil in the car. For no, it really didn't even need changing that badly, but what the heck. Or that she wore that dress that she knows that you like so much. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just the everyday little stuff that you say to yourself. You, you recognize yourself dang, you know, that was a really smart thing to say, or dang, that was a really nice thing to do. Appreciating your spouse to yourself appears to be one of the key critical ways to maintain those rose-colored glasses. Mm -hmm. And the second thing would be then to make a list, literally a list of what I call positive aspects. And, you know, you can think of them as, as whatever you like, what you like about your spouse, what you love about your spouse. And keep that somewhere close, like your personal bathroom drawer, your underwear drawer, or someplace where you have access to it. Mm -hmm. And you want to make this list when you are relaxed and happy, for obvious reasons. (laughs) Because all of us get into fights or conflicts or disagreements or something or other, right? You don't want to start scratching those things out, yeah. (laughs) You do not. You do not, because the list isn't going to look even remotely the same. Why you want it is, first of all, it's a great exercise to actually see how many you can come up with, just for fun. Mm-hmm. Not, not like, 
I have to do this because. No, no, no. Just because you love your spouse. When yeah. you're in a happy, relaxed mood, stick in your bathroom drawer, your underwear drawer, or whatever, someplace private. And then when you are having a grinchy moment or when you are feeling, you know, uh, about them or just bored or whatever, pull the list out. Mm-hmm. Read it. Remind yourself. Because it's really in reminding yourself that you are then able to do the, th- the other things we talk about so much, yeah. like appreciate your spouse and stroke them and give them kisses and all that good stuff. I mean, for me, this yeah. is almost what the purpose of all those like selfie pictures that we take with our spouse and put on our walls and the wedding photos and all that stuff. Like that's kind of the purpose of those things is to yeah, have those yeah. reminders up and around you. So when you have those moments, you can look and be like, oh, yeah. This person's pretty awesome. Exactly. And that's where you want to end up with the this person's pretty awesome thing. And the second, oh, I got to tell you a story because it so upset me. I was um, speaking with a young woman. I had known her when she was single professionally. She's an attorney. You know, I work with attorneys. And she was about in her mid-30s. And she got married to a great guy. And I didn't see her for a month or two. And then I had another piece of work with her. And I had not uh, met, her, actually physically met, her new husband. Uh-huh. And she introduced him as the old ball and chain. Uh, yes. We're talking a 37-year-old. This is just a year or two ago. We're, we're not talking back in the 50s or at some point in time where that was a more common expression. This is an evolved, intelligent, young woman. Yep. And I went, I, I just, I'm, I hope my jaw didn't drop because that certainly was the inside feeling. It's like, Oh boy, are you guys destined for unhappiness? This is okay. So this is the cultural conversation that I am. This is my my life's goal is to shift the cultural conversation that we have about yeah. oh, you're you know the ball and chain, and oh, oh I gotta go go home to jail or whatever whatever like stupid right. things. Right. And I'm gonna say it like they are stupid things to say. Because you would yep. never say that about like anything else that you cared that much about. Like you don't people don't describe their kids that way, you know, for the they most They don't even describe their friends that way. No, no, you would never describe your best friend that way. You would never describe your best friend as the ball and chain or the 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 chink in your armor or whatever else like stupid thing right. that you could come up with. And as you were saying these other things too, I was thinking about how this is also part of you you mentioned how part of the solution to what we're talking about ha- maintaining that love blindness is um, having those good conversations in your head about your spouse, yes. thinking those positive yes. things. And you're right when when you hear other people say those things. Um, we've talked about this in the past. It it matters who you surround yourself with, and it matters. Absolutely. And it matters in the. And which is which is bared out, by the way, in the statistics about people who are friends of other people who are divorced or more likely themselves to get a divorce. Because if you're surrounded in that environment where they're just bad mouthing their spouse the whole time, at a certain point you'll probably feel more comfortable saying something negative about your spouse, even if you don't feel that way, just to be a part of that conversation. And that's exactly the opposite of what we're trying to get across today. And exactly. if you're in those environments, I feel like, you know what, you have the power to say like, oh, I, I don't feel that way about my spouse. I'm, I feel bad for you that you feel like your spouse is the ball and chain. And they'll probably – because I've actually done this in the past. And they'll like, well, you know what I mean. And I'm like, no, I have no idea no. what you mean. I really don't. I do not feel that way. I, don't, I do not know what you mean. Well, I mean I, I'm just trying to be funny. And I'm like, well, 
Maybe you should try it's a better joke. Funny. Yeah, try a better it's joke. And then I get all yeah. Mr. Hitched editor on them, and I'm like, well, you know, statistics show. And then they're just like, <laughs> oh, here he goes again. Enough already. I love my spouse. I get it. And then, But you know what? They don't say it in front of me again. And whether they know it or not, if they have thought about doing that again in the future and they have like my little like ranting in their ear uh, on their shoulder, uh, maybe it prevents them from doing it again. Maybe that helped them change the conversation in their own head. And that makes me feel good. Exactly. And that's where it all starts. It is the conversation in our heads. That's where everything starts. And we, we know that for ourselves. Yeah. You tell yourself you're stupid and, and incompetent, and I guarantee you'll behave in a stupid, incompetent way. You tell yourself you're worthy and you can do this. Well, suddenly you are. Well, no different in the way you think about your spouse. No mm-hmm. different. Yep. So moving right along here, the second, the second thing that you can do to keep those rose-colored glasses on, because that's really where we were kind of sort of going with this. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Is don't compare. In other words, don't play the grass is greener game. Okay. So what what is the grass is greener game? So glad you asked. It is the tendency to compare your spouse to someone else and find them lacking. Ah. So this young hotshot at work is dynamic and funny and ambitious. Things you wish your spouse were more as you watch him surf endless channels, vegging in the TV with the beer in the recliner, right? Mm -hmm. And you are completely ignoring all the good things about your spouse. Or on the other side of it, that young hotshot at work is some gal on her way up the ladder and you're thinking, why does my wife just want to sit and putter? Or whatever it is, okay? Mm -hmm. So... The thing is, though, when you do that, you are, if you will, putting the rose-colored glasses on the wrong person, which is someone who is not your spouse. And what you're completely ignoring is we all come with many different sides to ourselves, right? So that young, hotshot, dynamic, funny, ambitious, maybe for all you know is a real pain in the butt when it comes to doing anything that the other wants to do or is you know selfish who knows irresponsible you don't know you don't know we all come with upsides and downsides but when we play the grass is greener game all we're looking at is the other person's upsides mm-hmm. and we are comparing those to the downsides of our spouse now that's not fair yeah and that's you not know fair. the other thing about that is particularly when you talk about cuz you use the example of the um like a workplace setting yeah presumably in the workplace this is when people put on their best face right like they sure. get dressed up they they do their hair they they shave they smell good whatever uh mm-hmm. and they're and they're acting in the best manner possible and even if they have like the stress of the work environment around them, they still don't try – like they're hiding what's bubbling up inside because I'm sure when they get home, if there is a significant other home, they are going mm-hmm. to really open up and just say like, I can't believe so-and-so is an idiot. you know. And they might be, by the way, be talking or thinking you. about you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So the thing is – you know. Thinking the grass is greener is a really dumb approach to pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. You're much better off with your own spouse to go through those positive aspects and look at them with love and remember all the the wonderful and sweet and considerate and noble things that they either are or do, etc. And just understand that people are many-faceted. 
You have no idea, no clue what that cute barista really is like when she's not doing her, you know, coffee, bean and tea or Starbucks or whatever. Yeah. Um, special. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So when we, when we do have those interactions, say we do bump into somebody at work or at the coffee shop or whatever, how, what, what are your tips for keeping, not getting into that grass is greener game and putting the, those rose lenses in the gaze of our spouse as opposed to somebody else? It's just to appreciate them for what they are and who they are and don't, don't take it any further than that. I mean, I see good-looking guys all over the place. I go, how nice. Yeah. And that's the end of that discussion. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a gal. I like a, to look at abs just like any other woman. doesn't mean I want to take them home. Yeah. So there, there's, if you, if you will, this is why I think people naturally look, and I think men look too. They're just more, I mean, excuse me, women look also. We're just a little more subtle about it usually than guys. Yeah. But everybody looks at everybody else. We're yeah. a curious species. And we've but talked, it, and I was about to say, we've talked in the past about um, attraction and the fact yeah. that there's nothing wrong with attraction and that, no. it, it, that that's part of our DNA. It's what you do with that attraction and how you respond exactly. to that attraction that really changes things. But anyways, I'm sorry to interrupt. Right. Go ahead. No, no, that's all right. So, I mean, that's the basics of it, though, really, is that, you know, it's the whole, uh, what is it? Uh, look, but don't touch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you go through Tiffany's, look, but don't touch kind of thing, etc. One of the things I would like to mention, though, is um, in our interactions with other people, just generally, not, not necessarily those we're attracted to or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But in our interactions with other people, another way of keeping those rose-colored glasses on is don't complain about your spouse to other people. Just don't. Yes. Don't. That's private. If you have something that's an issue between you and your spouse, there's only one place it should be discussed with you and your spouse yeah. or with a counselor if you guys decide that that's a good way for you to go. But it doesn't. It, it, it's absolutely really a way to dirty those glasses to sit there at work and say, yeah, you know, uh, my husband doesn't talk to me anymore. I mean, he's just, he's just no stick in the mud. He doesn't want to do anything. Or, you know, my wife, she's always spending. She never pays any attention to the money. That does, that that just kills those glasses. You might as well take them off and grind them up under your heel. Okay. So here I actually have a, um, this is a very subtle difference, I think, uh, but I believe there is one. So, the difference between complaining about your spouse and mm-hmm. trying to work through a problem with somebody else um, mm-hmm. who, who, you know, maybe it is a friend. So, but, but rather than complaining, like my spouse spends too much, you actually approach your friend and be like, you know what? My wife and I have been really um, getting into arguments about money, um, which mm-hmm. you're not attacking your spouse specifically, but you're, you're asking for advice about, you know, I know that you guys – you know, you mentioned to me on the golf course a couple months ago about this, a similar issue. Like how, like, what did you guys do? Which is, I think. That's not complaining. Exactly. Yes. That's not okay. Complaining. I, I just wanted complaining to point Complaining is where you're, yes. And I think it's an excellent distinction, Steve, for our listeners, because complaining is where it's a one-sided conversation. You don't want or expect any help. Ah, that's a great definition of it. Yes. Yep. You get truthful. If you get truthful with yourself when you complain. You're not, you don't want a solution. You want pity. You want, you a want vent. misery loves company. Mm-hmm. You want a vent. You want somebody to go there, there. Yeah. 
which is extremely different from working through something. And you're right. We certainly can approach friends and loved ones and so forth uh, to help. I mean, you know, it takes a village uh, to help us work through stuff. But the the attitude is so different. Yes. When you approach your friend, you, you're not asking for pity or for, or for Misery Loves Company. You really want help. Yeah. Capital H-E-L-P. So with, that's that's the easiest way to know the difference. Yes. And without like the stigma of like, oh, well, your marriage must be on the brink. And it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> we just have an issue just like everybody else has issues. It's not catastrophic. Yeah. It's just we're not all experts in psychology and human emotions and all these other amazing things, you know. So uh, yeah. sometimes we need help with this stuff. Of and course we and, do. And there's we all need with help it. with stuff. Yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah. But complaining is when you, you are not looking for a solution. Yeah. So if you uh, listen to this podcast, um, and if you're hearing my voice right now, you have, <laughs> um, <laughs> and you are in a, in a conversation uh, with friends or family and somebody mentions something about their ball and chain or negatively puts down their spouse for amusement – and in this yes. manner of complaining, uh, correct them or n- don't even worry about correcting them. Just point out how like, oh, that's unfortunate. I don't feel that way about my spouse at all. And then watch the conversation shift because you will be doing them and yourself a service because you don't want to be around that conversation and they shouldn't be having it if they want to maintain a positive, happy, rose-tinted, intense, loving marriage. <laughs> Which, believe me, is a marvelous, marvelous goal to aspire to. Right? And there's no reason you can't do it. Like if you feel this way – if you felt that way on your wedding day, why – there's no reason for you to let that uh, shine dull over the years. You can keep it up. It just just takes some conscious effort. So I'm stepping off my soapbox now. (laughs) (laughs) um so um so i did a podcast um earlier noel with uh dr karen sherman and we i started something and i'm going to mention it here so if you're like oh that's new um i just wanted to give you that heads up so we um we are going to do this thing and i'm I'm testing this out so i want to see how how many people engage in this but i want to start getting some questions from you guys that we answer and it doesn't have to be complicated um, and, uh, so what I want to do is I'm going to post a hashtag, uh, or have you guys, um, ask questions using the hashtag of ask hitched, uh, on Twitter. And so that way, uh, we can find what your questions are and then we can address them in the appropriate manner. And you know what? We might not even address them in the podcast. They might be answered on Twitter. They might be answered in an article. Uh, they might be answered in any facet of ways. But um, I think this might be a really quick and easy way for you guys who are listening that if you have questions, uh, you can bring it out there uh, and use the Ask Hitched tag. Um, and then we can we can help respond. And by the way, and I I realize that asking marriage, asking relationship questions, is very personal, and you might not want to put it out there. And so I get that. If that is the case, we do have an email button on our podcast page. You can direct message me um, on Twitter. Uh, and so if you do have something that you want to ask that's a little more personal, you don't want to put it out there, uh, I totally understand that, and that's why we have these other avenues. So 
let's try it out. Let's check it out. So go ahead and ask your questions, and we will do the best we can to get them all answered for you. Um, and for this week, I think that's going to do it. So thank you so much, Noelle. It's been fantastic. Thank you, Steve. Uh, I want to remind everyone you have been listening to Dr. Noelle Nelson, who is a relationship expert, popular speaker in the U.S. and abroad, is the author of many best-selling books. Her two most recent uh, relationship books are Your Man is Wonderful. The other is Dangerous Relationships. Uh, She is also the author of a new business book available on Kindle Readers, which you can download the Kindle Reader app for free on all your electronic devices. It is got a bad boss uh, work that boss to get what you want at work you can find this information at noelle's website noellenelson.com you can find her on twitter at dr noelle nelson she is on facebook she is on google plus uh, we are on all the social networks as i mentioned uh, uh, i run the hitched account at hitched media uh, we are also on facebook and pinterest and tumblr and google plus and instagram uh, so check us out. Let us know what you think. If you have any questions, again, the hashtag is AskHitched, and that's uh, that's it for this week. Uh, so one last time. Thanks, Noel. Thank you, Steve. All right. That's going to do it. Take care, everybody. We know that it's showtime.